Hey there, Vernacular Faithful, Redcoat here, and Santa joins him. That and is getting longer and longer. Anyway, we've got another podcast for you. Today's topic, what makes a gimmick a gimmick? Or rather, what do we think of when something is gimmicky? And how to use this understanding to your advantage when it comes to game design? The first thing we need to do is understand what we mean when we use the word gimmick. We'll start by going over some common definitions. These common definitions tend to fit into two broad categories. The first is uniqueness, and the second is non-functional. So sometimes when people use the word gimmick, they use it in the sense of something that is unique about a game, especially if it is particularly unusual. Sometimes this is something that hasn't really been seen before. Sometimes it is something that is merely not typically a part of the main genre of the game, but is common in some other genre. They'll say something like, The Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds gimmick is the ability to make Link merge into walls. This usage of the word gimmick is pretty neutral, which contrasts with the other primary usage of the word, which is a label placed on something that is non-functional in some way. This could be because it doesn't fit the Narvazad elements, in which case it feels weirdly out of place, kind of like some sort of non-sequitur in a game that is otherwise not doing non-sequiturs, or it can be some mechanical issue. In the mechanical case, gimmick is often used as an adjective in the form gimmicky to describe some mechanic that is weird in how it functions or is buggy or fiddly to get working. For example, you might say that a run button that doesn't always seem to work is kind of gimmicky. The other main use of gimmick for the mechanical space is when a mechanic doesn't seem to have a purpose. That is, it can be used, but the circumstances to make it useful are highly contrived and rarely occur. So with that understanding of some of the ways that the terms gimmick and gimmicky are often used colloquially, is there a cohesive and useful definition of this term that can help us talk about, quickly identify, and manage both the strengths and weaknesses of said gimmicks and gimmicky things when looking to design a game? In service of answering this question, we'll approach this utilizing the mechanical and narvathodal splits that we defined in earlier podcasts. Because of the nature of our approach to the definition of the gimmick, we'll need to get into the nitty-gritty of the structure of both the mechanical and Narvazod elements of the composite experience we call video games. Firstly, we'll approach the mechanical identity and how an element can be gimmicky with respect to that part of the game. So the mechanical identity is how the game plays and feels for the user to interact with, being split into three parts. The foundation, the mechanics that are at the core of the game's play and greatly define the overall pace and feel, often determining the genre that the game fits into, the framing, the mechanics that support the core of the game's play, which, if removed, would alter many elements of it, often defining any subgenres that the game fits into, but not changing its overall feel, and the refinements, the mechanics that help improve the quality of life for the player and give the overall feel of the game an extra dash of polish, but don't do much to change the main genre or subgenre of the game. So what is a mechanical gimmick? Our definition is that a mechanical gimmick is a gameplay element that feels like it could be in a foundational or framing space, but is instead in the refinement space of the game. Another way of phrasing this would be to look at the mechanical space as a scale going from foundational mechanics to framing mechanics to refining mechanics. In this case, a mechanical gimmick often falls into an area where it is at the edge of being a framing mechanic, but its implementation makes it into a refining mechanic instead. An example of this is in the game Star Fox Adventure, here, the game features two modes of play, planetary exploration and on-rails space combat. The space combat is based on implementations from games in the Star Fox franchise that focus explicitly on this aspect of play. However, in this game, the flight sections are few and far between, used only for travel to very specific locations in the game. 
They are also somewhat poorly realized in design, as they are not nearly as compelling as their predecessors in previous Star Fox titles, likely due in part to the fact that the developers were unsure of how much skill any given player could have in those sections, when there were so few of them in the game to begin with. As such, the sections, while novel as a change of pace, feel underwhelming as they appear briefly, have a great deal of potential as a design space, but ultimately fall short because of how little they are used and how underdeveloped they feel when played. The other form of mechanical gimmick is sort of the opposite. When something is pushed too deeply into framing and has no business being there, it'd be more appropriate to put it in the refining space. Another way to think of this is that the mechanic has a low amount of design space and it is being overtapped, in contrast with the mechanic with a large amount of design space that is being underutilized, which is what Redcoat was talking about. This tends to create more problems, as it usually leads to very repetitive play. Guild Wars 2 crafting tends to fall in this category, and as while it has a lot of parts, the actual mechanical implementation of the crafting has very little depth and a ton of repetition. However, as I've talked about this thing before in the Crafting Systems podcast, which is number 10 from this season of podcasts, I'll not go over it again here. Anyway, when this happens, it tends to be more about the implementation than the concept. Any individual concept can have executions with different levels of depth, and it is important to be particularly cautious about not overstretching an implementation. Now let's take a look at the Narvazod side of things when it comes to the concept of gimmicks. As a brief reminder, Narvazod refers to the three aspects of what can be described as the aesthetic and presentational aspects of a game. Specifically, as defined as the three parts of the word itself, we have Nar for narrative, Viz for visual, and Odd for audio. As our initial foray into the realm of Narvazod gimmicks, we'll look at the concept of a narrative gimmick. This follows as a similar principle to mechanical gimmicks, where the idea or concept presented by the narrative is either not used to its full potential, or used too often when it hasn't the narrative presence or depth of interest to be used in such a way. The simplest example of a narrative gimmick of the second kind, used too often without the depth of interest to support it, would be a gag that is repeated over and over again, that while funny the first time, doesn't allow enough wiggle room in its interpretation or isn't varied enough in its different incarnations to still register as funny after its third or fourth use. This version of the narrative gimmick can also manifest in characters, where a character that is featured in a prominent or semi-prominent role doesn't have enough interest to support its role in the story. One example of this is the character of Fee in The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. The character is the sword that Link uses in the game, and is commonly used to convey information to the player about various elements in the game. It is defined as a mechanical entity whose dialogue is written to exhibit this element of its personality. Unfortunately, there isn't much more to the character's overall identity, and because it is one of the characters who speaks most commonly in the game, there isn't enough depth to it to support it having such a massive role especially when it will at times interrupt gameplay to deliver some expository, and sometimes not essential, dialogue. Instead of coming off as an interesting part of the game's narrative element, the character registers as just a bit annoying and bland to many players. Visual gimmicks follow the same sort of principles that we have discussed so far. They can manifest as inconsistencies, visual elements that are used more than they can support, or visual elements that can support far more than they're used. When I say visual element, I am referring to anything that is part of the visuals, such as an aesthetic or an individual graphical element. To elaborate on these three things, let me give some examples. Visual inconsistencies tend to pop up more in very low-budget titles, particularly for those that lack an art team. In such cases, art assets are typically cobbled together from disparate sources that all have different styles. 
This results in a lot of visual inconsistency. Another example is actually the early days of the Pokemon trading card game, and it may still be happening, I haven't kept up with the game. When the card art was wildly inconsistent in style, some cards had pictures of toys, others 3D renders, and a wide variety of illustration styles also showed up. If the inconsistency is ramped up high enough, then it can become its own style. However, if most of the elements do have a cohesive enough visual style, then any inconsistencies with that style become more and more out of place. However, the style being inconsistency is still a gimmick. When visual elements are used more than they support, what typically happens is the player loses interest in them, in which case they grow tired or the player finds them annoying. Reusing paintings as a decorative item is an easy way to have the former occur, though relatively unimportant. Most enemies being palette swaps is also an easy way for this to occur, particularly when they are simple palette swaps and not full reskins. As an example of the types of elements that the player finds annoying, the lava areas of Lost Isolith and Dark Souls 1 tend to overstay their rather brief welcome thanks to a very high contrast and brightness between the lava and the non-lava parts of the map. Finally, as an example of the visual element that can support more than is used for, there's an area in Dark Souls 3 where the Curse Rotted Greatwood, an early boss, is located. This is a small section, mostly a hallway and some stairs, plus the boss's arena itself, that has a very unique visual style. This style is distinct from everywhere else in the game. It has a worn stone look, and it is covered in pinkish purple flowers and a cooler color palette than the surrounding areas. While I don't think the interest that this area creates would necessarily support a large area, I do think it can support an area that is much bigger than what is actually in the game, which leaves its potential feeling untapped. As with the other Narvazolo gimmicks, an audio gimmick can be described as a sound or motif that does not fit seamlessly into the overall audio space presented for the game, or a sound or song that is noticeably overused and does not have either the sonic depth or design to support being used as often as it is. An example of motif overuse can often be seen in certain forms of animated media, especially ones with a limited audio budget. Reusing battle themes and character themes for various situations that arise throughout the show. Now, it should be said that there are ways to do this tactfully, such that the reuse of said themes is meaningful, both logically and emotionally. However, too many repeats of the same song in quick succession over increasingly unrelated situations will draw attention to the fact that the motif is used far too often. In video games, this concept can appear more subtly in the form of repetitive sound effects. For instance, in a game where the player is slashing things with a sword constantly, with 20 or 30 slashes happening in rapid succession fairly commonly, if there is only one slash sound that ever plays, the player may begin to notice after a bit of playtime, with the sounds themselves becoming monotonous to the ear. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the singleton sound that sticks out like a sore thumb when compared to the overall soundscape. This would be like having a sword slash make a whoopee cushion sound in a serious fantasy setting. It's good for a quick laugh, but if used too often or in improper context, it can play into the destruction of the mood of the game in question. This is not to say that one-off silliness isn't fun to do, even in serious settings. It is more to say that it must be done smartly, with purpose, to be used in full effect. It should be noted that audio gimmicks, in general, are less likely to happen on accident, as the very nature of audio's use in games, and even other mediums, tends to be supportive. So it is often a natural and logical decision on the musician's part to make the music fit the medium they are making it to accompany, or for the Foley artist to ensure his sounds match and enhance the setting they are built for. All of this to say that gimmicks aren't inherently a bad thing, at least by our definition of what a gimmick is. However, they can do serious damage to a game if they aren't done intentionally. There are a number of ways that gimmicks can happen accidentally or incidentally. 
For visual and audio gimmicks, the most common way of this occurring is through asset considerations, such as limitations or accessibility issues. For example, if you lack access to someone to create art, music, or sound effects for your game, then it can be quite challenging to maintain consistency. Things like visual styles, music styles, quality, and even loudness. Narrative gimmicks often come about when people have to fill in stuff and, as a result, leave large piles of potential lying around. This can be through environmental storytelling. For example, the ruins all over the Hyrule Field region of Breath of the Wild leave a lot of history unexplained and unexplainable, or through throwaway or side interactions. For example, a throwaway note may point at a great deal of possible story. On the other hand, overusing a particular story element, again, this often happens in things like side quests, until it becomes cliché also results in a narrative gimmick. Mechanical gimmicks can appear accidentally when the core design of a game takes a hard turn in a new direction, and the implementation of said design isn't quite able to fully make the shift. The inverse is also true, when the game's implementation takes a hard turn in a direction that is nothing like the original design, and the design is not updated to match. In both cases, some elements from the earlier version of the game, either in the build space or the conceptual space, may linger, drawing attention to themselves for the fact that they point to a different kind of game than what is presented in the final product. Another way that this can happen is in a similar space, but it has to do with development timetables. If a game is nearing the end of its development schedule, but still has a long ways to go before it can be considered complete, elements of the game's design will have to be cut to reach the deadline, assuming it doesn't get pushed back. In these cases, the cuts can result in elements that were meant to have a full design space allotted to them, only having one or two instances in which they appear, resulting in those elements feeling gimmicky, even though they may have been intended to be core elements of the product. The other one comes with a misunderstanding of the amount of design space that an element of a game's mechanics can be expected to fill. In this case, a design element may be thought to provide a great deal of depth and interest to the player in theory, but doesn't actually do so in practice. In this case, the mechanic may be spread across a wide array of scenarios in the game with the intent of it granting much of the core enjoyment that the game can provide, but it ultimately falls short, because there simply aren't enough situations that draw out interesting elements of the mechanic to hold the player's interest. While you generally want to avoid accidentally or incidentally using gimmicks, that doesn't mean you should always avoid them. Indeed, there are times when intentionally using a gimmick can not only be a good idea, it can be the point, such as with intentionally inconsistent audio or visual elements. Mechanical gimmicks are best employed when you're underutilizing the design space of something, when you're implementing them to test out an idea, or when you're intentionally using it less because you are uncertain with either how much design space it has, and so you don't want to build an entire game around it, or you are uncertain how your audience will receive it. A good example of this is the ship mechanic in Assassin's Creed 3, which gets turned into a core mechanic in Assassin's Creed 4. Narvazad gimmicks are generally best used when you want to highlight something or intentionally cause dissonance. They can also be used to great effect to imply story depth without having to actually create all of it. But be careful when doing this to make sure you don't create plot holes or narrative inconsistencies. Also, doing this will lead to your audience either speculating about elements or being disappointed that the story etc. didn't explore what looks like an interesting idea, so do this sort of thing with great care. When looking to use or avoid gimmicks in general, it's best to remember that at its core, a gimmick is something that draws attention to itself, either because of its rareness in a design or because of its abundance. Using this idea to your advantage in your game design can grant many boons. For instance, having a rare gimmick in your game can grant a much-needed change of pace or breath of fresh air for the player, such that they will be better able to dive back into the nitty-gritty of your game once they are finished with the gimmick. In contrast, 
An abundant gimmick can grant the player a sense of familiarity when things become tumultuously difficult mechanically or emotionally heavy narvazodily. Sometimes something as simple as a running gag can be just what the player needs to properly manage their intake of dramatic and philosophical themes. A basic minigame that grants the player some sort of familiar territory in an increasingly difficult or bizarrely variable mechanical space can be the difference between the player becoming fatigued with gameplay and the player being ready to go once more into the breach. Of course, gimmicks come in all shapes and sizes, but the important thing to remember is that they must be used with tactful awareness, be it a game like WarioWare that is made up almost entirely of gimmicks, or a game like Sonic Mania where the mean beam game mechanics make a surprise appearance. A gimmick well used can make for an experience that sticks with your player and is among their fondest memories for the game that featured it. So that about wraps it up for our talk on the subject of gimmicks in games. Tune in next time when we talk about the concept of mechanical replayability. Until then, dear vernacular faithful, this is Redcoat, signing off. And this is Cientier, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.